This episode is brought to you entirely uninterrupted by Clockshelves Entertainment's Content Club. You could have got this episode and all other episodes of our podcast, plus bonus content, over at Content Club, patreon.com slash clockshelves. and welcome to another episode of Buffyverse and Converse. This is one that I personally am super excited to discuss and to converse about, one might say. And I am super excited to have all of my guests back on today in no particular order. We have J-Lo, Bill, Kiona, and Ryan joining us once again. Go ahead and say hello, folks. Hello, folks. Howdy. Hey there. Hello, folks. (laughs) Classic joke. Um, Welcome back, everyone. Um, I don't know about you, but I'm excited. I know it's been a little bit since we've been able to uh, actually sit down and record this. But um, you all, of course, I wanted on this episode for a variety of reasons. Now, uh, if if you've been listening regularly to this show, and you all, of course, that are on this Remember, uh, Kiona and myself have watched the show multiple times, so we are coming at it from that perspective. Ryan, as we learned in the previous episode, uh, his debut on this show, um, the Some Assembly Required, he kind of sort of has seen every episode, but it was on in the background of his childhood because his aunt is a super fan of the show. Um, and he and James are only one year older than the show, while he, James, and Bill, theoretically, are watching this for the very first time. So this episode, the third episode of season two, um, School Hard, is, I mean, here, this is, I, I don't know if I, I don't know if I could kind of say this without really saying it any other way, but this is a big episode. This episode uh, introduces quite a few things and and uh whereas i feel and we kind of discussed this already where the first episode of the season when she was bad um is definitely almost like an epilogue to uh season one uh episode Mm -hmm. two the some assembly required episode was more the monster of the week that we got used to you know through a good portion of of season one and now this episode um all my, I, I'm trying to. I'm trying. Kiona, you might have to help me out here. It's, okay. Give, give me, give me the alert if you think I'm saying a little too much. It okay. almost seems like a monster of the week episode, but it's actually a lot more than that. Sorry it's, for the spoiler. <laughs> yeah, I would say I would. I would call it a very, very foreshadowy kind of show, kind of episode. 
Okay. That's yes. That's what I would say. Yes. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I, I want to hear what you all thought of it. And I also have, of course, my four fantastic facts for the episode, <laughs> but, uh, I'm, I'm interested before I get into those, some, some thoughts amongst uh well really all four of you because uh as we've talked about kiona you in addition to the other three pretty much seeing this for the first time kiona this is the first time you've seen this in quite a while so Mm -hmm. uh, i'll kick it to you first what are your thoughts seeing this episode for the first time in a long time uh first of all more snyder please because that guy is hilarious i love armin shimmerman shimmerman i think he does a really good job in the show um and you do get a lot more of him, too, over the next couple seasons, which is nice. I could say that because, you know, he's a good part of it. Um, I'll say this. I, I When I first saw this episode way back in the day, I almost thought that that guy who plays the vampire named Big Ugly, who was yep. like the guy that was bragging that he was in the crucifixion and all that. I thought he was Mark Metcalf coming in and playing a, a second role because he sounds just like him, but it's a different actor. But just the sound and everything, and even the face, like the vamp face, it looked kind of like the master in a way. It and he so does I thought look it was similar, yeah. Yeah, I thought it was kind of like they were passing the torch there a little bit. Um, from him to Spike, you know, for this episode. And I don't know. It just but anyway, looking at it, it's a different actor, but still I just thought it was him because just the voice and everything just seemed so uncannily similar. <laughs> um more Joyce in this episode than we've gotten before i feel and yes. uh and i think think they said this is the first time that she's named that is yes that is actually one of my fantastic facts yes oh sorry sorry you're okay to do that but you're yeah okay. i mean but yeah uh joyce is a lot of fun in this one and i i love that you know she does what she does by episode's end um saving the day and whatnot uh of course, you know, I, I think that this is a good, um, in a way, it's it's also kind of got that epilogue sort of feel because you also see what happens, the the fate of the, the or the fate of the anointed one um, and what happens to Yay! him. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, it does have that same thing like, like when she was bad where they're kind of like they're clearing the board, so to speak. Um, and when she was bad was one of my favorite episodes. I'm sorry I didn't get to talk about it on the show, but uh, anyway, of yeah, course, I mean, of first... course, I'm sorry I got to interrupt you. Of course, it was one of your favorites because Buffy does that dance where she's like, "Look at me, I'm being sexy," and of course, you uh, love yeah, Sarah Michelle Geller doing uh, yeah, that. Yeah, I, I have zero <laughs> issues with that. <laughs> She was so like, oh, oh, God, oh, wait, Sandra. finish the I sentence for that. But anyway, finish the sentence. She was so what? What? hot. <laughs> um, But no, I mean, yeah, you know, I just I love SMG. What can I say? Um, Spike and Drusilla, their introduction. Amazing. Juliet Landau as Drusilla is one of my favorites of all time. I love her accent, even though I'm sure it's bad, but it's just awesome. <laughs> um. James Marsters, what can I say? The guy's just, you know, nailed it from minute one. I love that little heavy metal thing that happens as soon as he drives up and just smashes the sign. It's great. Um, that's that's pretty much, you know, what I have to say about this episode. Uh, also, 
special special nod to Willow for just grabbing that bronze, whatever it was, and just cracking that vampire over the head. That was pretty hilarious. I loved it. Good on you, Willow. Uh, because there was some cheering, I would love to <laughs> to hear Bill's. <laughs> Bill was the one cheering that the anointed is is gone now. So I'll kick it to you. Thoughts on the episode? <laughs> Uh, I actually, this is my favorite episode to date so far. Um, I just, it just felt like a different show to me. Um, the whole vibe of it and this whole spike thing is pretty cool. And I, I gather he's going to be around for a while. Um, you could tell the faces. Yeah. The face. Well, I had gotten that set of figures. If you remember. Uh, yes. I that's like, why I, I wanted you on this guy side. is. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know who this guy is, but uh, yeah, he came with the set. So, but um, I I don't. Was this the first episode where their faces morphed between human form and vampire form? I don't not remember the, seeing that. Not the first episode, but I feel like they're getting into doing it a little bit more casually. Uh, Angel and then the girl from season one—I can't remember her name. They both kind right. of did it. Um, Angel. Yeah, and well, maybe like, maybe they're spending more money on it. Maybe they're spending more money on the, the CGI. Maybe I don't know. They they refined but. the morph and they refined the the death sort of you know uh, the dusting mm -hmm. effect. Well, yeah. Well. I mean, as as we know right. in season, a lot of times in seasons two and three of a show, um, even you know it's been that this way pretty much in all of television. You always get a little bit better budget. So therefore, you have a little bit yeah. better lighting and, you know, things like that. Exactly. Yeah. And, and that's what this whole episode, the whole vibe of it, like I said, was such a higher production value. And um, the principal, I don't know how long he lasts, but I hope not too much longer because he's annoying as hell. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I like the little, uh, the little, the ending of the episode is pretty cool. And the, uh, the wink, wink between him and the uh, detective, I guess about you know what's going on there yeah yep. wasn't that a nice little bit of of uh let's say foreshadowing of something yeah i went i actually like i got a little, i did a little jaw drop when that that line came out i was like whoa so that was pretty cool and yeah the anointed one getting rid of the kid was a he served no purpose throughout the whole season last season <laughs> get him in that cage open the window <laughs> Child abuse, there, Bill. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But no, it's not abuse. Yeah, no, I love. Right, talking about barbecue. <laughs> uh, I guess if I throw my but yeah, no, I, I, it was awesome. My favorite episode. So go ahead, uh, James. So far, honestly, I I'm gonna agree with Bill. This probably was the best episode as of yet. Um, from what we've seen and what I've endured, like endured, fight, <laughs> <laughs> the fighting um was pretty interesting. I like I kind of reiterating some of my like previous, I guess you could say like tidbits. I do wish like she like they gave her like either, like they showed her more consistently training or like so sort of, like her growing in strength. Um, because she just seemed like a like although she's a slayer, she does seem for like average, but. Um, I liked it. I liked the whole, like, you know, he's killed two slayers before he has this, like, you know, I don't care attitude like this, this hunger for power and dominance. And like, he has the creepy wife. Um, 
I liked all of it. I was like, I Xander and Angel explained it at the. Oh, I don't know if I can say this enough. It's a spoiler, but Xander and Angel kind of explained it like, oh, you know, like, well, why didn't you sock him before he, you know, socked you? And he's like, oh, I want to see if he's gonna buy it first. I'm like, he wasn't. He's not as old as Angel, and Angel is. Well, I'm like, I will get into that later because I have some questions in regards to this, and I'm, which I'm sure I'm going to get the same. You'll see response. No, actually, but, if I if I know what your question is, I'm 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 pretty sure I'm actually going to give you a solid answer. So go ahead. So now with this whole siring situation, yep. that means in quotations for vampiric terms, Angel is technically like his father in quotation. So here's the thing, um, they. Okay, they cut. They they kind of shy away from that a little bit, only in the sense of, in most things, yes. Okay, the sire is the person who made you into a vampire, and that's technically true here. But in this they also can refer to it as like being from the same quote unquote lineage. Okay. okay. But they also, as like a third prong to this, they also establish a little later and they, 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 I don't think it's a spoiler to say, cause it was kind of established here. They go in more depth on it in a lot of ways. Angel taught spike what it means or how to be a vampire so that's also the the use of sire here yeah i think like maybe a mentor might yes be i yes. mean it does make sense um i will say that uh i will say that what i like what i was going to say during this at like during this recording but like they actually kind of did in the episode which i was like oh okay cool i was going to say um you didn't see many people getting converted and i was like with all these vampires she just keeps killing and they drop them like flies you're not seeing many people like go under like the importation conversion of being a vampire you just kind of see like oh like you know the vampires just coming out of like wherever they're coming from uh, but like I guess the woman who is with Spike can turn others. I don't. I, I don't think they've established if anyone can turn anyone or like how does that work. But I will say I, I do enjoy the fact that this was like a oh like you know that one girl was like turned and you know she's she became a vampire, which I was kind of sad. I'm like she was like that off the side goth girl who I assumed was gonna be like you know another friend of Buffy's, but she got, you know, she's a vamp now. Uh, so who knows what's going to happen there. Uh, biggest thing, and I know this is probably make Paul happy. Um, I liked the fact that Cordelia was more hands-on in this episode. Like she was like there, she was present. She was like with everything. She had more of a role in it. Like it wasn't just your typical, like, you know, snobby, like, sn like stuck up, like remarks that she like typically gives when she ever shows up. She was like a character, and like I enjoyed her character in this particular episode. Yeah, but has she ate? I mean, she's gotten older looking in just a couple of episodes. I mean, I, watch your I mouth, Bill. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, 
she's an old she's an older woman people but i mean she looks like it like mrs callum miss calendar now i mean she's old looking. well she's actually old, i mean just it's the stress of hunting vampires bill she actually is older than so. all of them in reality she actually is older yes. than all of them but uh you watch your mouth build. <laughs> but I was a little taken aback. Yeah. <laughs> so. Um. <laughs> so I have a few comments about James's uh, notes there, but I want to ask Ryan, what did you think of this uh, episode? Hi, my name's Ryan, and I've only seen three episodes so far. <laughs> uh, episode one, two, and three of season two. That's all. Um, this episode, I haven't seen season one, so like I'm missing all the beginning details. But it wasn't bad. That's my opinion. And that's, I mean, that was one of the the things of you coming on to this was you said like you specifically didn't want to see the first season because you thought it would be interesting to sort of come in with, again, and I, I said it earlier, having kind of had it in the background of your of your childhood and stuff but for real like paying attention now not seeing season one so i could totally understand where you're saying like when we're all like oh yes it, it kind of puts a button on season one and you're like that doesn't make any sense to me or whatever um yeah <laughs> well because but... to me like i met and i feel like they missed a couple things like a, a good pun shot calling him the annoying one and then hooking him in the cage how are you gonna miss that? <laughs> yeah. Um. And then there's a couple like I wouldn't say she was hands on this episode. I said she was like hands near. Because Cor- Cordelia, only, you mean? Yeah, she only yeah. almost made one. Almost made one spike like stake. So defensively, like compared to like her appearances in other episodes, I would say this is the most she's been like. Helpful? helpful yes yeah <laughs> yes i agree but like she still ended up getting captured in all three episodes she's got captured at least one time no she she's hides the... out in the thing this episode she's the yeah, hot damsel but... in distress she's the one remember he said um <laughs> flower hit him in the face with that flower bus? <laughs> i can't remember what flower she's in this this show James did the same thing at first. <laughs> Willow. She's Lily Willow. there and she's Willow here. <laughs> um and the the third thing is kinda uh I guess spoiler alert. When that girl does come back turned, do vampires just have a hatred towards Buffy? Like in general, or is there like a mind control aspect too? They know. They seem to inherently know that she's the Slayer. Yeah, I think it's a. I think it's a. Because well, a... I I would have called them like acquaintances. Like obviously she she didn't have like a hatred towards Buffy, but she didn't necessarily love her either. I think it's but like um... to come back and get turned and just immediately try to axe her in the back of the head. I feel like there's some hostility there that was just kind of planted by being a vampire. So I think there's Could two, be. I think it's twofold on that. I think it's one, probably Spike and or Drusilla kind of was like, 
this is the Slayer. Her job is to kill us. Therefore, we inherently hate her. I think that's one. But I think it's also just the whole concept of like predator prey sort of thing. You know what I mean? Like, okay, I'm so on. you think like an like an animalistic mentality almost just yes. came over her. <laughs> like you're a human. I, well, I think I it's I don't that. I don't necessarily think it's you're a human. Like I think and I mean Kiona, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think they really establish the or like expand on this more in the series, but I think it's more just like they can kind of set like they can a lot of the supernatural creatures can like sense other supernatural creatures in a way. So I would assume that they like have some sort of like sense about her. So is the Slayer mm -hmm. she's considered supernatural? Yes, we find yes. that out a little bit later. We we've we've talked about it very briefly here, but there is something supernatural about her. I was yes. gonna get to that. Like I'm glad that Ryan mentioned it. Uh, if you don't mind me, like button in really quick. The woman who like was with Spike, she came and was like, I can feel his energy from like outside of, you know. Uh, the building other van like like you guys said other supernaturals can like sense other soups so why is it that like buffy she has like either a lack of sense or like she can't sense the danger like as good as like other soups like she didn't know like spike was a vampire in the club like she so, didn't know angel was a yeah, vampire. and he was only like 10 feet away yeah so here's here here's my answer to that and it's something based off of what you said earlier, James, that I was going to get to, that uh, Giles actually makes the comment um, as well. She doesn't, not that she doesn't train, but she doesn't train as often or as well as she should, right? Like, we've we've seen that. Like, we've seen clips, and Ryan, I know you're going to say, well, I haven't because I didn't watch season one. Aside from that, we've seen clips of her and him like sparring her and Giles like sparring and and different things like that and we've seen like just little moments here and there of things that either are training or could be training or whatever so but we also see in this episode where Giles says to her you need to be prepared and to me like I took that as like we need to get more training done because they don't show her training as as often. And that's why when it comes to certain things, she's not necessarily as strong. And I will say in future episodes, we do see her like training like a lot more. And there are certain things because even in the is it what is it? The very it's like the first episode or the second episode when they're in the in the club in um, in the bronze uh, back in season one. And Giles says, you know, like, look around you, like hone who is the, you know, who is, are there any vampires here or what have you? And then she's just like, oh, that guy, because he's wearing something that they wore in the 70s, which obviously that part of the story they dropped, you know, later on, like very quickly. But like they they uh they they kind of establish it as like she can or should be able to sense other creatures just by who's acting shady who's you know like just like a sense sort of thing they do establish that 
Okay, it has my it has my like I said, this is a good episode. It has my uh my it, this episode kind of like helped pique my interest. So we'll see what happens. So we are we kind of went over, well, really, almost all of my fantastic facts, but I'm gonna say them anyway. So my fantastic facts for the episode School Hard are one. Cordelia is making stakes with the rest of the gang. There doesn't seem to be any specific reason for her to be there, thus implying she's now part of the gang just because. And we kind of went over this already, the fact that she's there and she's as hands-on as she has been thus far. Um, But in every other instance where she's been like with them, there's been a reason. She's been targeted or she's been, she overheard something or what have you. In this one, there's nothing. She wasn't with them at the bronze when um, when Spike, you know, like first showed up or anything or whatever. But then when they're doing the stakes, she's just there. So that kind of implies to a certain extent that she is part of the gang now just because. Uh, my second fantastic fact is, as Kiona mentioned earlier, we get the first reveal of the name Joyce for Buffy's mom. I believe I have referred to her as that um, already on the podcast. So be- just because I didn't realize that it was this far into the show when they finally established her name. But yeah, I didn't realize that either. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. Um, fantastic fact number three, the anointed one is killed in this episode. Uh, because in reality, the child who played him had a growth spurt between seasons one and two, and that went against the concept of vampires not aging. And that's actually why um, in his appearances so far, he's been sitting down the whole time because he wasn't as tiny as he was in season one. And of course, as Bill mentioned earlier, the character doesn't really serve a purpose anymore. Um, and then the final fantastic fact is Principal Snyder and the police seem to be aware of the supernatural presence in the town, to which I added two of the, like, hmm, thinking emojis after it. <laughs> so. I wonder who else in the town could be <laughs> aware of such things. Intriguing. intriguing. Uh, Joyce? I, like, I got a little vibe of, like, Joyce, when she did what she did, I'm like, hmm, does she, is there some lineage going on there or something that is going to pop up later on? If they do, that kind of would be a little, like, it, it, would, it, would, it wouldn't be as great because I feel like if it is, like, a lineage type thing, with how her mom is acting, it's like, it, it, could, it could go one of two ways. It's like, her mom doesn't seem like like if her mom was a previous slayer, she would identify like, oh, my daughter is showing all the signs of like, you know, all of what I did when I was her age, essentially. So theoretically, like her mom would yeah. be more accepting of it and would want to like be like more helpful, or at least you'd see her mom like kind of lurking to make sure she's being okay. Or it can be spent right. as, you know, I see that my daughter is becoming like how I was and I don't want this path. So her mom is trying to keep her away from doing those things. But if she was also a slayer as well, theoretically, she'd be able to sense that I move my daughter to like this super mystical place. Bad idea. Right. So the, su- the super. Yeah, mystical- I don't know. I just see like for the long game, the long game of it. You know, what else are they going to do with her character? Is what I'm wondering. So. Uh, so TBD the, for me. The comment of the super supernatural, uh, the mystical concept of the uh, the hellmouth brings me back to something that. Um, I wanted to say 
with I believe it was uh, you, James, made the comment before about there's not not a whole lot of turning people into vampires in the in the series so far, yeah. at least. Um, and there's been um, like instances, I think, so far, and we see it a little bit uh, in episodes in the future where an episode might start out where, um, you know, it's Buffy and giles or xander and willow or you know even her and angel or what have you and she's they refer to it later on at least as patrolling she's going out she's seeing did anyone you know is anyone going to rise from from the cemetery and and what have you and it's just fight 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 dust the vampire and then we have like the opening credits and then the rest of the episode goes on or what have you. And it's mostly done as just a background thing to uh, be there as the characters talk about whatever they're talking about, which kind of sets up the rest of the episode. Um, it's th that that happens a lot more Um like as it's not all the time, but it happens more as like a background sort of thing. Obviously, vampires will continue to play a big part. Um, the show is Buffy the Vampire Slayer, but as they as we talked about previously, they established episode three is witch because they wanted it to be, hey, it's not always going to be week after week, vampire after vampire. But the other thing about that is, um, and I think the Spike and Drusilla aspect of it, at least at this point where they're first introduced, kind of plays along with it as well. Um, the Hellmouth brings people there and i think i've talked about this before on the show the fact that there is like a supernatural it's i don't want to say it's like a homing beacon but it is kind of like it's a it's a it's like a mystical thing that just draws people in like it has an energy that just draws different supernatural creatures there and things so it's not always necessarily that someone in the town gets turned because you have to remember we've seen numerous um like things where it's like oh this and i think uh i, I know james you weren't on the last one but ryan and bill and i talked about it i think where it was like um you know so like x amount of people died in the car crashes and stuff from the some assembly required episode and I think they immediately thought like, oh, this is going to be vampires. And then like the the casket was empty and they were like, oh, wait, something else is going on here. So there is always that thought in the back of their minds of like, oh, vampires, vampires, vampires. But as we see here, especially based off of the, the principal and the police, they're clearly covering up. There is some sort of cover up going on as well with all of these supernatural creatures and all of the disappearances and things like that so we've seen a lot of instances where like the newspapers and things talk about them but how many are they not talking about for a variety of reasons but again it's not always necessarily that people get turned into vampires it's just the fact that the vampires can come there from other places because the hellmouth sort of brings them there and in this case as we see with with spike and drusilla um, cause Spike kind of says like, oh, I hear there's a Slayer here and whatnot. And I'll, I'll get to Spike in a moment cause I have a, a lot to say about him with just the minimal information we have, but a lot of the creatures, vampires and so on, it kind of becomes like a thing for them. 
And again, it's it's not all the time. It's not every episode or what have you. But it's like every so often, like somebody will show up and they're gonna, they're going to be like, I'm the one. I'm here in town now and I'm going to be the one that takes down the Slayer. And it's like you like you really and it's kind of what Spike says to this guy here. What would you would you say Keona's name's Big Ugly or whatever? Apparently he's named Big Ugly, yeah. <laughs> Where he says, like, I was there during the crucifixion. And Spike is like, if everyone that said that they were there was actually there, you know, whatever sort of thing. And it kind of becomes that same thing where the, you know, like a creature, and it is again, it doesn't have to be a vampire, it could be a, a witch, it could be a a creature that we haven't seen yet. Or what have you comes and said, you know, comes to town and is like, I hear there's a slayer here and I'm going to be the one that takes it down. And it's like, come on, like you we we know that that's not necessarily true, but we're going to have fun seeing you try to fight off Buffy this episode. <laughs> um, One of the things that I wanted to say, so we we I heard uh, Bill kind of say this where he knew kind of once he saw spike that like oh okay spike's gonna be something because as we talked about in a previous episode um he bought me the the nice uh figures that i have and spike is one of those figures and so that was one of the reasons that i specifically wanted bill um obviously i wanted everyone on this but i specifically wanted bill because i wanted to get his reaction to the debut of the character of spike because I, I figured that he would uh, he would have a thought on like, oh, OK, this this kind of fleshes out this story a little bit more. Um, I want to also hear uh, I want to hear Kiona's thoughts on Spike and Ryan's thoughts on Spike. Um, James, I know you don't know a whole lot about the Buffy mythos and things, so I'm interested to hear your thoughts. But if everyone doesn't mind, I want to give my own thoughts first. So I've kind of talked about this before how I didn't get into Buffy until I had already gotten into a few other Joss Whedon uh, projects. And it was actually uh, Ryan's aunt, the super fan um, who loaned me the DVDs when I, a few years ago, when I was finally ready to watch the series. And I said, Hey, I really want to get into this and what have you now growing up watch it and not having cable. So really the basic channels that we got was what I had for a while. And I watched a lot of stuff on the CW you know, one of the big shows for that network, and, and it was a big show in my in my household at the time, was like Seventh Heaven. So you would see commercials, even, you know, when you see the the local things in syndication, you know, whatever they would be, you know, the reruns of like Friends or what have you. And they would be showing where it's like this Monday or this Thursday or whatever for the newest episodes of this show, that show and, and whatever. And I I remember that, you know, spike was kind of like there like i remember seeing commercials for stuff and i'm like oh okay like i know i've i recognize that character or whatever oh this is a commercial for buffy or what have you so when i started watching this and this episode comes up and i see the sign the welcome to sunnydale sign and then a car you know drives into it and then we see these black boots and that that like rock star music is playing in the background right and then we see this bleach blonde guy get out and he's smoking a cigarette, which don't even get me started on do vampires. We in the season one finale, <laughs> Angel cannot revive Buffy because he doesn't have breath, but yet Spike can somehow be smoking a cigarette here. All right. 
It's, uh, it's just because he loves it. I don't know. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, and he says, "Home sweet home," and the again that like guitar, you know, rock music is yeah, playing. That was awesome. That and was I really just good. I remember the, seeing this for the first time, and I was just like, "Oh hell yeah!" Because <laughs> I knew just based off of like the commercials and things that I had remembered seeing. Like, oh my god, this character is like kick ass and you know, all this sort of stuff. So um I was I just remember being very excited myself to see it. So um Ryan, I kind of want to know uh with your kind of periphery, do did you do you remember a lot about the Spike character? Or was it kind of just like similar to me where it's like I kind of know that he's there, but I don't really know like a whole lot about him, sort of thing. Uh, pretty much. I hope I don't know a whole lot about him. I do remember the commercials you're talking about, but like, I like, I don't know. I you'd think that he'd be a bigger part of it, but like, you're telling me this is the first episode he's in. Yeah. So like, wow. Never mind. But um. Yeah, when this episode started, I was like, oh, so this is the guy who dies this week, you know? And then he didn't die at the end, so I'm like, uh, he's got to be kind of important then, huh? Yeah, I could tell by the caliber of acting that this guy was in for the long haul, or I don't know how long, but he wasn't going anywhere too soon. Oh, yeah. And that's something that Kiona had said before, uh, James Marsters, who um, he's appeared in a, a many, many other things. I want to say, if I remember correctly, I, I either read an interview or I saw a thing of him. Um, and he, he'd been around for a little bit in terms of acting, but his very first thing acting was in a play. And I don't remember where or anything like that, but I believe the character that he was playing he was like strapped to like a board or like a wheel or something. And he gets rolled out onto the stage and he's completely naked. Like that was his acting debut. And the first time like anybody had seen like him in like a thing was his thing. <laughs> so <laughs> like, you gotta know that somebody is like not fearless when like, that's going to be their first major bit of acting. So yeah. I I agree with you, Bill, like his, and I mean, I I've seen him in, in other things and, and obviously growing the, the, you know, the character that he does on here. And, um, uh, Keon, I believe it was, you mentioned before the accent of Juliet Landau, who, for those who don't know, I mean, she's a fantastic, um, actor, actress. I never know how you're supposed to quite say that these days, but she's a fantastic, uh, performer in her own right. And she's, I think she's she great. Yeah. He teaches a lot now too, in addition yeah. to doing writing and other acting and things like that. Her father is Martin Landau, world yeah. famous actor. So, like, she, you know, has brilliance in her blood in terms of, of acting and things like that. And I think yes. they both do a very good job. You said about the accents before, neither yeah. one of them, like, that's, and, and people never believe this about Spike. That's not his natural accent. Well, but he had I, I think he was he had some help from uh from the Giles actor as well from Anthony Stewart Head. Yes, and also this helped so, him out with that. 
I tried explaining this to Ryan's aunt, not the aunt that got him into the show or got us into the show, but a, the, one of his other aunts. Um, I tried explaining this to her once. Like we're all, we all understand the concept of like different accents and different dialects and things like that. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She could not, this is your aunt Missy, by the way, who actually I know appeared exactly on, what you're talking about. Yeah. She actually appeared on an uh, an episode of Lost with Friends way back in the day. So for those of you who are paid attention for the long haul in clock shelves, there you go. Um but uh she could not understand the concept that in re so in real life, Spike's accent, which is more of like a uh working class man in England. That's it's that's kind of the accent that he has, like a lower tier person, not like high society. Mm-hmm. And that's the accent that Spike puts on. And that's the accent that Anthony Stewart Head has in real life. And as Keona said, we, he yeah. helped he helped uh, James Masters or Masters with that uh, with that accent because. Anthony Stewart Head for the Giles character puts on a different English accent. Mm-hmm. Where he kind of puts on like a like a high society highbrow. You know, yeah, yeah, highbrow accent where he he tries, you know, the character is supposed to be, you know, a lot more fancy and things like that than, you know, Anthony Stewart Head is in real life. And I was trying to explain this. She's like, what do you mean? She's like, it's an English accent. And I was like, right. But like, we don't sound the same as people from the southern part of the United States. She's like, yeah. well, no. And I'm like, right, but we're all from the same country. So why couldn't they have different dialects? Yeah, in- regional dialects. Yeah. Right. And I was just, like, I spent like a good like 20 minutes trying to explain this to her because she just she couldn't wrap her head around the fact that the way that Anthony Stewart head sounds as Giles isn't how he sounds in real life because it's he has, he has an English accent, but it's a different English accent. <laughs> um. But I, I I think they did I think they do a, a very good job for uh for what the part needs I'm sure if we got yeah. some of our English friends on here they would be like oh no it sounds terrible and and what have you but I know yeah. that 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 they have both said that several people it was very difficult to tell that several people from England and you know other parts of the world didn't necessarily realize that they were doing um that they were doing accents that weren't their native accents. Oh, when I saw James Marsters in different shows after where he doesn't do that accent, he doesn't do the spike accent. I thought it was fake. I thought his, you thought his American accent was fake, right? Yeah. I thought his American yeah. accent was fake. Yeah. Same. Yeah. Um, so Kiona first time in a long time, the debut of spike. What'd you think? Uh-huh. Loved it. Loved it from minute one. Love him and Drusilla. Mike. God, they're hot. I'm sorry, it's just true. Um, Hotter than SMG? Hmm. Maybe <laughs> not. Maybe not. Maybe not. Um, I will say that I think that uh, I I think this is. Oh, I don't. I don't know if I want to say that because yeah. Um, I'm just gonna say that I loved it and that it was a great intro and that. I love the backstory that they gave Spike. I'll just say that Um, because they reference it here multiple times, you know, the way that he apparently has killed two slayers. And so everybody's scared of him. I like that fact. And I, and I also love the scene in the club, even though like 
even though, like you guys said, Buffy cannot, you know, recognize that he's a vampire. But I just love that scene of like him just kind of slowly stalking and just figuring out like what's going on there. Well, I mean, you know, I mean, stalking like a predator stalking. That's what I was going to say. Like, it's it very much lends to the whole predator prey sort of thing like I was talking about before. Yeah. So, James, uh, being the only one who, as far as I know, had zero connection or any idea potentially of Spike, I'm curious your thoughts. Because, again, I, as I'll say once again, Bill kind of knew about the figure, Ryan kind of in the background of his life, obviously myself and Keona having seen it. But you, I don't know if you had any kind of knowledge or any idea about the, the character of Spike or Drusilla or any of that. So I'm interested your uh, your thoughts. Um, definitely an interesting character. Um, they're slow. I feel like they're slowly introducing a little bit of a, a power structure. Cause like, even when Xander was like, oh, he's nowhere near as old as Angel. Like it's kind of given that like, oh, okay. Like, so we're, we're kind of gauging like, you know, where these guys are in terms of like, you know, age and or potential strength. Um, he came off like when he when he pulled up, I was like, okay, like kind of similar to Ryan. I was like, okay, so he's gonna be the the new like hot shot that's gonna die this week. Um, I thought it was really sh- like I knew something was a little bit off, and I had to play it back. Um, before the anointed one got you know caged and set free, essentially. Um, I was like, wait, did they just like did her mother just like hit him in the back of the head and then like they like let him go? I was like. That to me, I thought was really, really, really strange because I'm just like, this guy broke into your school, killed multiple people. Like he's been hunting you. He's, you know, doing all this stuff. I honestly thought my thought process for this episode was that his wife uh, or girlfriend, whatever she was to him, like they were going to kill him. And then she was going to be like the next like hot shot seeking revenge on the Slayer, like a scorned lover, like hunting the Slayer behind the scenes. I felt like that would have been a good, um, Spin could be could happen in the future. I don't know yet. Like I haven't seen it. I mean, I'm sure you and Kim like you'll see. But uh, that's not kind of those words did ring in my mind just now. (laughs) (laughs) Um, that was that. That's what my thought process was this episode. I was like, okay, this is like she might kill him, and then like you know his like and plus like his um Drusilla. I think you said her name was her uh prowess and like senses were. I feel like we're like on point to like know like the anointed one's powerful etc cetera, etc cetera. um i feel like she would have been a good foe against buffy not saying that spike wasn't but i feel like spike kind of did the average of what like we've seen before i'm hoping that like with him still being alive we get a lot more out of him um but you know it, they're they're interesting i like i like the two of them i love the um i love their dynamic I honestly thought she was a different supernatural being because like when she like licked his glove, I was like, Oh wait, like what kind of like a a being is she? And like it uh, referencing my true blood uh, and true blood humans get like, it's like a high when they drink uh, vampire blood. So it's like, Oh, is she like an, like a, is she a different type of soup who can drink vampire blood? Are they introducing the, the idea of like, Oh, if you drink vampire blood, like, you know, it might have like certain side effects. Like, you know, I was trying to see like if that was just like a original thing that True Blood did, or if like you know Buffy did it first. So, but when I saw like, she's a vampire too, I was like, oh, okay, like you know, it makes a little bit more sense. Like, 
it's less harmful and like less impactful because it's vamp on vamp. But um, I like them. It's interesting. I, I hope that they do a lot more than the master did because to me he was underwhelming. Uh, and as well as like you know Bill saying the anointed one served no no purpose really. So the fact that he was quote unquote powerful, I would have wished that when he like picked him up and like threw him, like well he's like running away with him. I kind of wished he did something where he could have in quotations took the anointed one's power for himself. That would have been really really cool for him to like have that and become like even stronger than what he already was. You're saying Maybe Spike. Yeah, Spike make yeah. make Spike stronger than like what he already was by like maybe drinking the anointed one or like absorbing his power somehow. Like that would have been really cool. Like for me, like vampires and power structures are a big thing. So I'm I'm always eager to see like a power up or a new level of like strength in like the, the food chain. Well the thing so <clears throat> one, um I think they I think he mentioned it here. Uh Spike, I think Spike mentioned it here. The fact that Drusilla is is weakened. So that's, I think, why she doesn't, you know, she didn't face off against Buffy, uh, per se. But the thing that I like to kind of counter what you were saying, I like, I get, I, I get it with, you know, the power structure, and if he could have basically absorbed the whatever the anointed one's powers are and whatever. But I like the fact that he says at the end, like, we're done with with rituals and we're done with tradition and all that sort of stuff. And I think that's sort of the thing that gives not only him as a character, but now this new pay. And we've, we've all kind of said it here that the, this is almost like the turning of a page for the show because a lot of season one, and we saw it even in that very first episode where um, there was, you know, carving the, the symbol, the master does the symbol into the the one guy's head and then like, oh, he's going to drink the master's blood because that's going to give him more power for that for that particular night and whatever, you know, the harvest and all of that stuff. And we saw so much ritual, which, of course, is very funny considering the fact that, um, you know, the entire concept of vampires and whatnot, like you know, holy water is like burns them and the cross repels them and all of these things. They're very much like anti-religion, but there is still that sense of like, it, with at least with the, the master's group, that there was like the, the kind of ritualistic sort of thing there. And the fact that it was in a church and, you know, all that, obviously there's, that's the, the, juxtaposition that they're supposed to be but i like the fact that spike here basically says all of that tradition stuff that's all gone and you know there's it's 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 a new day basically he says so i kind of like the fact that they didn't continue to incorporate the the anointed one in there just because now it's like well we don't we don't know what's next so far in the series you know, yeah, we've had, you know, there's the monster of the week episodes, but in the background, we've always known sort of this tradition thing of like the master in power, then the anointed one in power and what, and you know, it's, there's like a hierarchy and whatever. And now it's like Spike is there and he's like, I'm throwing out the rule book. You know what I mean? That's one of the things that I like is like, now we don't know what's next in a way. Makes sense. 
Um, so one of the big things and we've we've kind of talked about it here a little bit uh, that happens in this episode, because I feel like we've we've summed up a lot of the episode in general. Um, but the it's parent teacher night at the school about three days before a big uh, supernatural attack night is supposed to happen. And because Buffy and this other girl who, if I'm looking here correctly, her name is Sheila, because yep. they are the two worst students in the school, they have to basically organize all of the stuff for parents night. And Buffy, of course, is trying everything she can to avoid, um, you know, her mom and Principal Snyder meeting. And uh, later on, we see Willow uh, takes... Um, you know, takes Joyce around, and I believe Joyce says something to the effect of, "We every time we got to a class, mysteriously, all of your teachers happened to not be there or something. And it's like, good job, Willow. Like, she's doing exactly what Buffy wants her to do. Um, Buffy is obviously covering for, for Sheila because Sheila's not showing up. And then, of course, we, we talked about it earlier. She gets um, taken by uh, by Spike and turned by Spike and Drusilla and whatnot. Um, but we do see, we don't get to see the meeting between Joyce and Principal Snyder, but we do get to see after the fact what, you know, Buffy's there and she's, you know, I'm protecting everyone. And Joyce is like, you can't do this, whatever. And Snyder doesn't seem to, he he doesn't pay Buffy any mind. She's a student. What does she know? And, you know, all this same thing. Everybody says, you know, she's a student. She's a girl. She's a kid. She doesn't know anything and, and what have you. Um, But Joyce sees, you know, what Buffy can do to a certain extent, of course. And, you know, the fact that she's, you know, risking everything and, and all this stuff. And then she makes the comment that she doesn't care what stupid teenage stuff Buffy does or whatever, as long as she, you know, as long as she continues to be the person that, that Joyce can be proud of. And, you know, she, she, you know, Joyce believes like she's raising her right because of all that sort of stuff. And I like that moment. Like there's, we haven't seen a whole lot of that kind of stuff between them. I feel like so far in the show, we've seen a little bit, obviously we've talked in the past, about like one of the opening scenes between them we've seen where um, Buffy doesn't necessarily want to talk about her dad and Joyce is like, it's fine. Like I know he exists and what have you. And we've even seen some scenes between Joyce and Hank, which is Buffy's dad. And then we saw um, that really emotional scene that we talked about in season one between Buffy and Hank, which we all, I think pretty much agreed was probably one of the best performances, not only in that episode, but even up until now, I would say three episodes into season two um, on the show when when Buffy, um, you know, gets really upset because Hank is like, I don't really want anything to do with you and, you know, all that sort of stuff. Um, but we do get to see uh, uh, that nice scene. There's several, of course, and, you know, Joyce saving Buffy and, you know, get the hell away from my daughter, you know, and all that sort of stuff. But I just I really like that scene where. uh where Joyce says, you know, like, I get it, like, you're a teenager and you're going to do dumb things or whatever, but, like, you're clearly a good person and mm -hmm. when push comes to shove, that's pretty much what matters to me. And we have at least two parents here in the chat, so I would love to kind of get their opinions on that from a parent's perspective, 
how that scene, if at all, how that affected either one of you. As uh, far as being proud, you know, being proud of your child, is that? Well, yeah, my, I'm basically I, what I'm asking. So like you have like you have Bill, you have daughters and, and I'm sure that over the years they've done some stupid things, uh, you know, that you may look and you're like, you know, you do. I'm, I'm sure you've done that parent thing that we've all probably experienced from our parents. Right. I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed, which is worse, by the way, <laughs> you know, but um, I'm sure that I mean, I don't want to say that it has happened, but mm -hmm. has has there ever been a moment for you where you had like a similar thing with this or like, did you did you relate to this scene at all where it's like, listen, I know you're going to do stupid stuff, but like as long as you, you know, like I, like I could personally say, like, I've had that conversation with probably both of my parents at some point where right. it was like, I know you're going to, you know, they say to me, like, I know you're going to do stupid stuff or, you know, you're going to make mistakes and you're going to learn from them. And I had something happen to me a few years ago. We all know what it was, but I had something happen to me a few years ago. And, you know, my mother kind of said to me, like, I knew it was a mistake, but I couldn't push on to you that this is a mistake. It's something you had to do and make the mistake and figure it out for yourself. And now, you know, you're going to you're going to bounce back and you're going to know better for next time. But, you know, there's only so much you could do, because if you tell them, like, there's a mistake, there's a mistake, there's a mistake. It's nine times out of ten just going to push them in the opposite direction right. towards That's, that mistake. Right. right. That's the whole point. I, I don't think I've ever I mean, they've screwed up. But I don't think I've ever come down on them or said, you know, what are you thinking? Or because they know they screwed up. So the, the point of harping on it or you know making it worse was never my uh never worked for me so um you know and that's that's just my style i'm more of the good cop than the bad cop in most situations so um that's got me this far so you know <laughs> things are your kids are good. Well, I've I've never actually met them, but from what I've seen, a lot of things. Your kids are good kids, I would say. Yeah, my older ones are pain in my ass, but uh, <laughs> I wasn't yeah. gonna say anything. Yeah, the younger <laughs> one, yeah, so far so good. So <laughs> I always said I have my black sunshine, my black death, and my sunshine. Those are my two kids. So. Ryan, there's the new band name. <laughs> yeah, black death and sunshine. Yeah, there you go. I've definitely done the I'm disappointed in you speech. Um, because like it's I, like you don't even you, when you're when you're due to the disappointment, it's like you're not even angry. It's just like I know you know better. Um, but this particular scene I can relate to because it's like you know I was not perfect in school in the slightest. But, like, I still did, like, for the most part, what was right. Um, so when stuff like this happens or in school, like, when whichever the kids, I'm like, you know, I trust that you're going to do the right thing. And, you know, not every teacher is going to say, like, you're perfect, and I get that. And, like, essentially comes, like, a more of an understanding with them than, uh, like, I feel like, I feel like, 
it's it's more common with like teenagers you you develop just the understanding there's that one moment in like every not every but most parent to teenagers where you guys it's something that happens like adulthood but you hit that like understanding point with them and i feel like that is like the the dawn of like the beginning of the adult relationship with that child is like you're when you hit that understanding point of like i get it like you're going to do what you're going to do but like you're still doing good so it's like it's not how I would do things, but you're still doing things well. So it's like, I get it is how I kind of took that part. And I've, I've talked about this before. Um, it took me, well, it took with both of my parents. Um, it was a, a figure and I'm sure we've all had this, but it, it was a bit of a, of a figuring out process because when you're a kid, you see like your parents are like, it's not the perfect analogy, but they're almost like mythical. They're like godlike. Like they don't have flaws. They're my parents and whatever. And then you grow up and you realize like, and like they, they made, you know, maybe not the same mistakes, but they made mistakes just like you did. And they screwed up just like you did. And they had happy times just like you did. And they had sad times just like you did, you know, whatever you're going. And people say it all the time, you know, to teenagers, especially whatever you're going through Everybody else has always gone through it. But when you're in that moment, it's like, no, no one else has ever felt this exact emotion that I'm feeling. And then you have like a realization where it's like, oh, everyone else has felt this exact feeling that I'm feeling um, with most things, of course. But um, you you start to realize that and I can only say this from a child's perspective because I have not been blessed with children, but you you have this realization of like your parents are people just like you and on top of that you're figuring out how to be whatever age you're figuring out how to try to like you're you know like you're trying to figure out how do i be a 17 year old how do i be a 16 year old or what have you they're fig they're trying to figure out how to be a whatever age they are plus be the parent of a whatever age you are and dealing with all of that because parents are learning just as much as kids are because even, you know, you could be on your second, third, even fourth kids in some cases. It's going to be different when each one reaches a different age. Like in Bill's case, he has an older daughter and a younger daughter. And by the time his younger daughter reached a certain age that his older daughter had already been just because he knows, okay, here's what I can quote unquote, here's what I can expect. That's not necessarily going to be the case one, because she's a completely different person, but also because she may look and go, well, my older sister did this when she was my age. So I don't want to do that thing. So he may be prepared for that. He may be prepared for everybody to go right, but she's deciding to go left. Because she's already seen certain things and what have you. And I'm sure, and I, not just try to sing, single you out, Bill. Uh, you know, James, I, I know for a fact James has had a similar situation with, because, you know, the three boys and whatnot, especially them being so close in age. I know that they're all 
because I've met them and talked with them. I know they're all kind of watching each other going, what did this one do? What worked that I can pull off or what didn't work so I could get better at lying to mom and dad the next time or, you know, what have you. Like, that's just how that goes. So no matter what, uh, and, I, and, and I don't think I'm alone in, in one, having that realization, but thinking that that's, I mean, I, I try to pass that along to people, both children and parents, where it's like, your both of you or all of you, whatever the case may be, are learning because you've never been at this point before. I just had a birthday recently. I've never been this age before. You know, it's my favorite thing when people are like, act your age. It's like, I don't know what that means. I've never been this age before because I'm older now than I was five minutes ago. I'm a different age. You know, that's like, I love to joke that way, but it's in a way it's it's true i don't know how to i don't know how to be this age because i've never been this age before and it's the same thing with with parents and children not only do the adults they've never been the age they are where you know a lot of times we have expectations where it's like i'm going to be married by this age have a house by this age and kids by this age whatever and sometimes all of that comes true and sometimes none of that comes true or just certain pieces of it so you're trying to figure out well my friends over here, like James is, is younger than I am and has like a full family. And I'm looking going, well, what have I done wrong with my life that I'm not in that same position that he's in, but I'm sure there are things. You don't want kids. (laughs) Well, you know that that's not true, but I'm sure. And I'm not saying I'm not asking for specifics, but I'm sure there are certain things that James looks at with me. And he's like, wow, Paul has done some things that I wish that I could do. Whatever they may be, I don't know. Maybe he doesn't. I don't know. Cough, but I'm cough, just saying. Hawaii. What's that? I said cough, cough, Hawaii. There you go. I know a lot of people who have said that to me, where it's like, you, you know, and I'm like, man, you have like you seem to have everything together. Like you got to do this, and th-. and they're like, you've been to Hawaii twice, like <laughs> before you were thirty, like you know what I mean. So like, I, it's the same thing. You know what I mean? Like it's we're all dealing with with all sorts of different things. And that's one of the things that a scene like this in the show. That's how it speaks to me, at least, is because it's one of those few moments where I'm not saying they were equal, but it was at least a moment of like, I believe, James, you said the word like understanding. Mm -hmm. You know, and I think that's I think that's like the perfect way to say it. Um. I don't know if there was anything that we didn't cover in this episode. We did have a little bit more of Miss Calendar in here, not a whole lot with her. She's kind of kind of like Cordelia a little bit um, in the background of this. Um, uh, Willow and Xander weren't even necessarily that prominent in this one, I would say, uh, only because, you know, we needed to to have Buffy and Spike and Angel and... Um, Principal Snyder and Joyce sort of more at the forefront. Um, but I do like the fact that the, I said it before, it was one of my fantastic facts that Cordelia is now like with them kind of just because she's with them. So they're, they're definitely like solidifying that group a little bit more. Um, but I don't really know if there was anything that we didn't really cover. Can anybody Paul. think of anything? Paul. Yeah. Pick me. Go ahead. Ryan, what do you got? <clears throat> Okay, so two things. The first thing is I'm still whatever age I was in 2012. Second, 
Okay. Um, I feel like we're going to have to talk about that because are you an immortal being? Like, <laughs> yes. Okay. No, uh, yes. Second thing is I feel like he kind of dropped, and this is going to be like a Wait, weird, who, like a. Who he pronouns, pal? Sp- Spike. Okay. But that's not a pronoun, is it? He pronoun. No, Spike. No, I'm saying you, you used a pronoun, but I don't know who he is. Who's I would have said Jarvis if I was talking. It's about not. Jarvis. <laughs> I know their names. <laughs> um, he kind of dropped like a Voldemort, Harry Potter kind of thing near the end, and I thought somebody would mention it. Where he's like, uh, they didn't say that this Slayer had family and friends with her, and I felt like that would have been important. Or is that like important, but later on, that's why nobody said anything about it. I mean, if you kind of watch like the beginning, like the first season, it is like referenced a few times that typically being a slayer, because of the burden of the task and duties, you typically don't have a life outside of doing that. So it's kind of foreshadowed that like, oh, if you've killed slayers in the past, nine times out of 10, they were more so probably focused on like their duties as a slayer. And they didn't really have like, the time to enjoy regular life because they were also like uh strong headed with I'm I'm the slayer. Yeah, Giles. Giles. So did kinda... the other ones not have a Giles? No, so they that was what I was gonna say was Giles kind of talks about it uh when he says he's like I'm gonna go out there and Miss Calendar is like, you know, you can't or whatever and he's like she's my responsibility and um they do like they they do have watchers and things and uh that's kind of the whole dynamic is this they, they i think they say it in one of the first season ones where it's like the slayer slays and the watcher watches like there's like a pause when they when they say it um but okay, so uh, he's a little bit more interactive than he's supposed to be then a lot of times yes he is because there are, and we, Kiona, help me out here. Tell me if I'm going to, give me the, give me this alert if I'm going to be spoiling too much. Okay. We meet more Watcher-based stuff in the future? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Should I say more or no? No. Okay. <laughs> no, I think that's it. I think that's it. It's made, it. it's, it's touched upon and made clear in the future. Yes. So there is more kind of about that. Just like we, just like I said, we see a little bit more of her training in the future. Yeah. We do, we do get a little bit more, uh, backstory. Get more of the, the larger context surrounding her. The, well, I don't have a feeling it's going to be like a group of watchers who's going to come like Giles. You haven't been doing your job and Buffy isn't where she needs to be. There's going to be a whole saga of like, Oh, we need we want Giles and these watchers want me to be something I'm not and only Giles can help me. Is that gonna be a thing? He's <laughs> asking you guys, I don't know. There's a dead silence. <laughs> can neither confirm nor deny. <laughs> I guess you'll have to keep watching and see. <laughs> A um, dead silence. <laughs> <laughs> um, I 
I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that several things that we've touched on today could come back in future episodes. It's a very foreshadowy kind of an episode. That's why. Yes. But yeah. Yes. There's yeah, a lot in this episode that you'll look back on and you'll say, hey there. <laughs> so I'm curious. The whole ending, though, opens up so much potential and things that are going to happen. I, the fact that they know something's going on, to what extent do they know? And then if they do know to such an extent, why are they busting Buffy's chops when it's obvious that she knows as well what's going on? Um just uh, just getting a whole Lost Boys vibe, you know, vibe where you know the city councilman will be a vampire or something. So, but to be determined, I believe. Well, and that's that's the thing. That's again one of the reasons that I wanted to have sort of you know most everybody that's been on the show so far to be on this is because this is, um, I believe, recently. As of this recording, uh, James and I, we were co- over on Polynol uh, every f- so often, uh, we're covering the um, How I Met Your Father series, uh, first season, I should say. And there was a discussion that we had recently where uh, it was um, the episode, it wasn't that nothing happened, but there wasn't like a major moment. It was... Um, it was a phrase that was actually uh, introduced to me a few years ago via Lost with Friends, um, and that is it's a setting the table episode. And so not that this episode, obviously there's a lot that happens, but there are many setting the table elements to this one. Um, and so that's why I wanted a lot of us to be on here, because, again, we've seen so with with season one and even these first few of season two, we've seen both mythology and monster of the week i feel like this episode did a a really good job of kind of combining the two because as as a few of you said when spike first rolled into town you figured well he's the monster of the week but then by the end of it it's like oh wait he's the new kind of through point the new mythology sort of thing and what's that i'll say he's the new sheriff in town right Yep. And so it kind of it kind of goes along with that. So I I feel like this one was a a blending of of sort of those two thoughts and it very much does set up some things for future episodes. Um but going back to what Ryan said um because I, I know you you uh wanted to make that point Ryan about the you know she has friends and family and stuff and like like James had commented it has been established already that that's not necessarily a normal thing, but similarly to um, how I said, you know, where the, they go and even the even Principal Snyder said it in this episode where it's like, she's just a student. And, you know, in future ones and even past ones, it's like, you're just a girl. She's just a kid. Just, you know, whatever. But, but, but like, there's always a reason why she can't be the the one that saves them and that was that was one of the things that that joss whedon said was he wanted to subvert that idea of the little blonde girl in every horror movie that goes into the alleyway and gets attacked and killed by the monster and it was sort of the concept of well what if that little blonde girl fights back and wins 
and that was one of the the you know sort of origins of the character of Buffy Summers and with that one of the other things is in anything that they've sort of come across so far any of the supernatural creatures it's always been either something they could kill or something that they've they could be killed by whether that be a past slayer or what have you but in this it's like spike says in this episode she has family and friends and that opens up just like spike and drusilla being in town and whatnot that opens up a whole new set of circumstances a whole new realm of possibility because think about it this way if spike knows and buffy has commented on this before like she doesn't want xander and willow and giles and and you know mom and all of them in to be put in any danger that's why like even giles says it here you know you could help buffy with doing whatever but when it comes to fighting like she has to be there mostly because buffy can't like if she's fighting she can't necessarily be distracted with well i have to fight this guy here but also watch that that guy over there doesn't kill willow or whatever because i know we would all freak out if allison hannigan's character died but that's right <laughs> but um you know that's she she would be too distracted but i would say it does open up the realm of possibility of spike drusilla you know any future villains or what have you kind of going hold on a minute we can use this we saw it in one of the other episodes already where they what are they they kidnapped cordelia right because one one what you said one of the other episodes oh okay i got you <laughs> i got you i got what you're saying <laughs> um but you know what i mean like that's what they do and so it it i would say it's not out of the realm of possibility that you know spike and drusilla may have some uh, nefarious plans once they realize what that actually means that she has friends and family and stuff Okay, so they're not going with it like exactly like the Harry Potter route. That's exciting. Well, you know, two two uh, two authors that have been uh, canceled by the mainstream. So you know. Well, yeah, but I mean, like, because if they're they're setting it up in the same way, where it's like, well, like I can't beat you because you have friends and family on your side. You know, like you you gave me. An answer that I wasn't even thinking about. Obviously, like, that does make sense where he's like, well, no, I mean, like, we can take her friends and family and make it a problem for her. But I thought it was going to be more like a, well, I don't stand a chance because I can't beat a Slayer who has friends, you know? The strong power of friendship. Always, I was just gonna say, <laughs> I was just gonna say something like that. Yeah. Um. So if we don't have anything else, I will kind of sum it up uh, by saying this episode was directed by John T. Kretschmer, who I believe directed several episodes of the show and is pretty much a, a serial television director. That's S. E-R-I-A-L, because I know someone's going to make a joke. Um, and it was written 
the story written by Joss Whedon and David Greenwalt uh, and the teleplay itself by David Greenwalt. David Greenwalt, uh, before Buffy, worked on uh, several things, most notably The X-Files, um, which kind of gave a good basis for being on a show like this, because, again, there's mythology and Monster of the Week and what have you. Um, also did the episode Angel in season one, so helped uh, flesh out that character a little bit and and give us a little bit more of the character of Angel when we learned a lot about his past. Um, and so I think it's kind of fitting that he basically co-wrote uh, this episode, introducing the characters of Spike and Drusilla here as well. Um, did we have anything else about the episode School Hard? I think that's it. Oh, yeah. The obvious diehard tie-in, but that that's it. So does that make this yeah. a Christmas episode? <laughs> yes. What? Yes. Absolutely. Yippee Kaye. Yippee indeed. Um, so if we don't have anything else, why don't we let them know where uh they can find all of you across uh social media and all other corners of the internet? Um, let's go James, Ryan, Bill, Kiona. TikTok, I am Jamerson496, Twitch, uh, BLKBAST29, uh, Instagram and Facebook, Jamerson Taylor. JLo uh, is out. <laughs> On Instagram, it's Kratz15. On Snapchat, it's KR underscore TZ96. On Facebook, it's Ryan Kratz. On YouTube, it's Ryan Kratz. Uh, do I have any other social medias? I don't think so. You don't use your TikTok, even though you should. You have a lot of stuff in, oh, in drafts. I do have a TikTok, but I don't. Is it is it Ryan Kratz? It's Kratz 1. Follow, it's follow, Kratz follow. 1. You'll find me through him. His TikTok is Kratz1, the number one. Alrighty. You can find me, Bill Cobber, on Facebook and Instagram. I also have an Instagram page called Bagels and Places, which is pretty fun if you like bagels and places. And uh, you can find me on Twitter at Keona Tang. That's K-E-O-N-A-T-A-N-G. And uh, Renegade Pop Culture is also on Twitter as well. Ren Pop Culture, that's Ren Not Stimpy. And you can find uh, my friends and I on renegadepopculture.com. That's where we post all of our podcasts, all of our articles. Um, I'm not sure what's coming up. I know that uh, we have a couple of shows, I think, within the next maybe two weeks, possibly after New Year's. So we'll have something up by then. Um. Well, so before I get into mine, uh, Renegade Pop Culture and Clock Shelves are actually going to be collaborating on some fun new stuff in the new year. Um, it has already been announced on a Paul and All episode, so I don't think it's uh, too wild to say it here. Um, 
what's old is new again, as I keep saying. And mm-hmm. Kiona and I, representing uh, Renegade Pop Culture and Clock Shelves Entertainment, respectively, are launching a new uh, wrestling show. Uh, it is the 30th anniversary of the debut of WWE. E now WWF at the time Monday Night Raw so we are going to be going back and pretty much watching the episodes from 1993 of Monday Night Raw and let me tell you the professional wrestling landscape is very different in 1993 so um, that's going to be fun for us and we're going to have some other fun things along the line there of course Um, various other things clock shelves related um, can be found across social medias Facebook Instagram and Twitter at clock shelves that's c-l-o-c-k-s-h-e-l-v-e-s um as ryan said uh i am on tiktok at jpgrb90 unfortunately someone had my standard handle which you can find on twitter and instagram which is jpgrb i had to add the year uh onto my tiktok i try to post uh at minimum two times a day on my tiktok um i post once in a great while on my instagram and uh, even rarer on my Twitter anymore. Um, but you can find all sorts of stuff there. Um, clockshelves.com has a lot of stuff. I'm trying to get that back going again. Um, I'm mostly trying to figure out how to budget my time better in the new year. Um, yeah, the next episode after this of uh, Buffy is called Inca Mummy Girl. So, um I'm I'm kind of excited to get some reactions on that one. So uh, oh, I don't <laughs> um I, I don't want to say who's going to be on the episode, of course, because I always like when uh, people can, you know, new episode pops up and oh that person's on. Uh or oh man, that person's missing. But let me hear what everyone else has to say or what have you. So um I don't want to necessarily say about who's on the episode, but I know that we're gonna have a fun time just like we did. With this one, School Hard, because as James said, uh, the power of friendship prevails. And I'm so glad to be able to have all of my friends here uh, talking with me on Buffyverse and Converse. And I hope that we all had a fantastic time. (laughs) 